Hey guys, welcome to Project Esports for July 1st, 2019 for all of our American fans. Happy 4th of July week. I know a lot of you are probably out traveling. That is where Dylan is. James is Canadian, so he's not doing that, but he had something else come up. But luckily enough, Luke was willing to very last moment come on and join me today. Luke, I mean, I feel like most people that have been listening for a while kind of know who you are right now. But for those who are listening for the first time or somehow forgot about your beautiful, beautiful beard, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? So, yeah. Uh I'm Luke. I am the uh, I'm the co-host of a weekly gaming uh, talk show called uh, PVA Radio and uh, also host a daily news show called the PVA Nightly Rundown over on my channel, uh, twitch.tv slash PVA Radio. And uh, also host a podcast called Presco Live, where I interview uh, small streamers that are doing really cool things on Twitch. So, uh, yeah, that's who I am. Yeah. And again, thank you for coming on. We've had you on a couple ones. Yeah, I feel like us and kind of PVA have gotten really close over the last couple of months. It was kind of fun the first time we rated you. And since then, we've just kind of been on a bunch of stuff. We did E3 content, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's always good to have you guys on and interact with you. And again, um, congratulations. We talked a little bit about a pre-show, but congratulations on your big charity stream. If you want to just kind of talk about that, I know it's over, but it's still a really cool thing that you guys did. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And also, thanks for having me, man. It's always a pleasure to come and so when you were like, hey, do you want to come on tonight's show? Like, you know, six hours before the show's going to go live. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah, man. In. I'm in. So um, anyway, yeah, Friday we did uh, our first 24-hour stream. Uh, it was me, the two guys I host PVA Radio with, uh, Larry and Cody, and then a couple guys from an old show we used to do called Player 3 Podcast. Ben and Seth came to join us, and we were raising money for Able Gamers, which is a uh, nonprofit that – outfits people with uh that, that have physical disabilities with specialty controllers you're thinking like mouse sticks and uh xbox adaptive controllers and it's all about making games accessible for people who they would otherwise not be accessible for and uh we ended up raising almost 1500 bucks for them uh got some cool interaction through some, with some cool companies as well did a bunch of cool giveaways so so yeah we we had a good time had it for a good cause. We had a good time for about 21 hours. Then we all hit a wall at like at like three hours to go. And we were just like, all right, all right. When's noon going to get here? But we're all old men. And then I went and I slept the rest of the weekend. <laughs> we, we started talking about doing a 24-hour stream. And I'm like, I don't know if I'll be able to do it. 24 hours just feels so long. The key to it, I was talking with Larry about it. I was like, what could have kept us going for that last three hours? And the key is real food. All right. You think like 24 hours, everybody's just bringing like snack food, all this junk food that does not sustain you for 24 hours. I feel like if we'd have had a legit breakfast, we'd have been good to go for those last three. So if you're going to do it, that's what I would recommend. Don't don't just be like we're we're eating chips and brownies and soda all night. (laughs) (laughs) But again, yeah, thank you. Uh, Yeah, that's really, really cool. I've, I've kind of able gamers is kind of my charity of choice, too, when I'm doing anything kind of. On the video game side, they're a really cool organization. I've kind of known about them for a while um, as well. So, yeah, again, if you are looking to check out any kind of charity inside the video game industry or esports, um, Able Gamers is doing really fantastic things. So do go and check them out. And um, if you can donate or anything, they do really good work. Yeah, I was going to say our, our donate link is still up. So if you want to if you want to give, uh, we're keeping uh, giving open through the through the week. And it's uh, playerversusall.com slash give. It'll redirect you to the Tiltify site, and you can you can give directly there. Yeah, awesome. So, yeah, again, go check that out because, yeah, really cool. That's a lot of money raised, so that's awesome for you guys. But 
Um, let's kind of get into today's show. For those of you that do not know, this is Project Esports, where each and every week on twitch.tv slash popped underscore off, we talk about all things esports, including the biggest stories, topics, discussion, whatever other rants we get onto today. And today we're going to be talking about the official beer of esports or official water of esports, whichever one you want to consider it. Um, liquid partnering with a really big and cool company and then TI having the largest prize pool ever. But with that, we do not have any major housekeeping coming up. Um, it is just going to kind of be standard for us. Um, we are looking at launching our other two shows back up um, uh, for Roll for First. And we have another one coming up soon, so do keep an eye on for both of those as well. And as always, do make sure to check out the other podcast that is Overwatch-focused on twitch.tv slash pop-off or poppedoff.com. Um, casual Overwatch fans are doing a bunch of awesome stuff, so make sure to check them out as well. But with that, we do not have anything else. So let's jump right into our first story, which I was being mean, but we do have the official beer of esports coming. At least it's being trademarked. So there's not a ton to this story. Um, it's not approved or anything like this, but there's kind of going around in all the major websites. I'm sure a lot of you seen it already. But Budweiser of all companies applies to be applies to trademark for the official beer of esports. So I mean, let's not talk about your personal opinion on Budweiser <laughs> to start, because I think we all know how a lot of people feel about Budweiser. But does esports need an official beer? Esports needs all the all the sponsors they can get right now. Like um, with with the the just mass amount of growth that we're seeing across all esports, um, it. it it makes a lot of sense that big name companies are wanting in on it. You think about Coca-Cola getting in uh, on Overwatch League. You've got, um, you know, T-Mobile and uh, who's the car? Kia? It's not, it, is it Kia? Yeah. Kia so, Overwatch League. Yeah. So uh, you've got tons of sponsors. And so it makes sense that companies are wanting to to leverage that growth to, to get more of their word out. Now, does Budweiser necessarily need to be the official uh, beer of esports for its own sake, I don't think so. I think it's more about denying that spot to other companies, right? Yeah. Budweiser, I don't think is looking at the, uh, you know, ninety thousand people tuning in to watch Overwatch League uh, on any given night and saying, "Man, that's a market we really need to to advertise to." But I think it's just really space denial for you know. Miller or Coors or whoever to, to come in and do it. And so uh, I think it's cool that these companies are, are starting to go all in on esports, And I think it, uh, I think it means a lot to the future success of uh, the platform as a whole. No, I really agree too. And I think so. I mean, Bud Light is already the official beer of the Overwatch League. So we already do have that kind of beers already, obviously in Overwatch in esports as a whole. But yeah, I think this really is this kind of preventive measure for others. I'm sure they are going to try to make partnerships and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure there's always already talks going on behind the scenes that they're filing for these trademarks. But they also filed for the official trademark of uh, gamers, <laughs> the official beer of gaming and the official <laughs> beer of gamers. Yeah. So, yeah. That was the part that was a little like, uh, but I guess if Mountain, like Mountain Dew is considered like the official soda of, of gaming or whatever. But really? uh, do they call it that? Oh, is that I, I don't just know a meme that everyone accepts it as? It may it may just be a meme, but you know, but Mountain Dew's leaned into it with like Game Fuel. Uh, I think like back in the Halo Three days, you know, they had special Mountain Dew flavors uh, to commemorate the release of that game, and so uh, 
the companies are companies are wanting to take advantage of uh, of this hobby that, that we found ourselves in. The other big thing about this is, especially thinking about this in terms of Overwatch League, um, is just the fact that like we're about to move to where there's going to be twenty different arenas, or you know, however many mm-hmm. at least in the U.S. there's going to be, and with this partnership, those arenas are going to have to serve. Budweiser, yeah, um, which I think is, is is a pretty pretty big deal for them. Yeah, no, I, I, mean, I think it's, charging eleven bucks for a beer. <laughs> let's 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 hope esports does away with that. We see some professional sports doing it. Probably not because these teams need to make money somewhere. So unfortunately, a lot of that will probably end up being on concessions. But yeah, I don't see that. I don't see it changing, man. Because the whole thing is you've got a captain, right? Like, hey, you can't bring beer in. Yeah, this is the only beer available. I uh, I remember going to a Charlotte Hornets game one time, and I was like, "Man, I really want a beer." And it was like, I can either pay eleven bucks for this Budweiser or sixteen bucks for this Blue Moon. And I was like, "I'm just going to spend the eleven bucks for the Budweiser, I guess, if they're going to hold me hostage like this." Yeah, no, yeah, and, and, and it makes sense, but yeah, I guess not too much really go in depth on this. I think it's smart, kind of coming from the business side, to be. Um, Claiming those trademarks. I mean, those are all really good trademarks. That's kind of the official beers gamers, as stupid as that kind of sounds. It is a really good one because someone would have trademarked that eventually. To try and get ahead of the curve and take advantage of it. And yeah, I agree that it is cool to seeing these companies want to get in. And I agree that we needed to get as many sponsors as possible. The kind of morality of sponsor, I mean, beer being targeted towards Esports, which is a little younger than a lot of other things, is whatever. Dylan would bring that up in a heartbeat if he was here, but I don't know, man. Like the the idea that like I, I get the argument, right? That and look, I know I talk a lot about Overwatch League when I'm on here, but that's like my kind of touchstone for for esports. But when you think about, you know, like seventy five percent of people that are in the Overwatch League or whatever can't even drink in the US or, or like I don't know. It, it's not necessarily about who's playing in it. It's about who's attending these things. And, you know, there's guys like me and you who are of age that are interested in this stuff and plan to attend live events for it. And we're going to want to drink when we're there probably. Yeah. So, you know, why not? depending on how the value do that day, I could definitely want to exactly. They've been doing fine. I mean, I, I'm not going to go into project overwatch today, but Valiant doing fantastic. Love seeing that. <laughs> Gosh, you're you're like stage one Valiant. We're spending, we're we're putting it on the credit card. Yeah, at the the arena, we're going into debt for this. Never (laughs) lost faith, and they might even make stage playoffs, which I was predicting. I think that might be like one of my predictions for this year that they win like the grand finals. So if they make it the stage, I mean, do they make it to the overall playoffs? I still have a little bit of a chance there, but yeah, let's go. Whoops, go on. uh, I was going to ask. I don't know if you know this, but when you think about like other other big esports that may have bigger audiences and like in other countries, especially um, are there other official alcohol sponsors for like Dota, you know, which is super popular internationally. And I'm, yeah, I guess I, I don't know too much. I, I mean, even international teams, except for the Chinese teams, um, Bud Light is the official sponsor of teamed Overwatch league minus the Chinese teams. I know that. So China might be different or very strict on it. I don't know too much about Europe. I, I As far as I had thought, I thought Bud Light was one of the first big sponsorships of alcohol and esports kind of coming together. There might be smaller ones for individual tournaments and stuff, but there had not been anything of that 
size, um, mm-hmm. we talked about it. So I think this will be the next biggest thing. Yeah, well, I'd argue Monster Energy is probably just as bad for you as Bud Light. So, <laughs> and that's everywhere in esports. It's, it's probably worse. Let's be honest. <laughs> but yeah, so kind of moving on to Dota, you just kind of brought that up. Um, just kind of the other day. Um, what was it? Oh, it's actually this morning. I didn't. Even, I was just pulling all this stuff today. I didn't even look at the dates on it. But as of this morning, uh, TI Nine, the International Nine, the Dota's biggest tournament each and every year, that makes countless millionaires in esports each and every year has now the largest prize pool in the history of the international. The international has always been known for having the largest prize pools in esports history. I don't know if Fortnite messed with that or not, but pretty much every other of the largest um, esports events in the uh, history have been from Dota and they topped that at 25 million five hundred and thirty two thousand one hundred and seventy seven dollars um and there's still 55 days ago obviously it's a lot more front loaded but still two months away from the international and last year's um prize pool was at 55 million it was it beat about like twenty thousand dollars this morning so it's not that much bigger yet but still something really cool i mean international despite what people say about dota it's the prize pool still going up so people are still interested in it I mean, mm-hmm. what do you think about this? I mean, I, I'm not a big Dota guy, but this is still cool, especially with two months left. Dude, Dota is insane. Yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> I really don't get it. I, I was, I, I, I'm just like all in on esports right now, and so anytime I get a chance to watch any kind of competition live, I'm going to. So this weekend, I actually tuned into the Epicenter Major that was taking place yeah. um, for Dota. Not a clue what's going on. (laughs) You know, they're talking about getting wards on the, uh, or I didn't understand anything. There's characters hopping between trees. I'm like, this is all all kinds of confusing. But what I did pay close attention to was the viewership number. And, you know, I watch a lot of League. I watch a lot of Overwatch. I'm seeing Dota, just the English version of this, pulling in 200,000 viewers. And I'm like, this is insane. And then what's even more insane is watching just the um, watching kind of the legacy of people that, that are a part of this. I mean, there, there, there were people on the desks that are like in their forties and fifties that are talking about Dota because they've been playing it for years and years and years. And I'm like, it's just wild to see an esport as mature as Dota continuing to be successful and when you look at it and see a story about Budweiser wanting to be the official beer of esports like tournaments like Dota in prize pools like 25 million dollars are the reason that you're seeing that because uh while I don't I think Overwatch League is small potatoes I think I think leagues like I think stuff like Dota is uh kind of like the crown jewel for for these companies who want to get in and uh and find an audience with them. So 25 million is just insane. But in the little experiences I've had watching Dota, it makes a lot of sense because people are wildly passionate about that esport. Oh, it's, it's, it's really is ridiculous. Whenever I see things come up like this, people are all super passionate about it. Dylan used to be big into it. Really none of us on the podcast really that into it. But whenever I see stories about it, it's just, it just seems like a whole different world. It seems like the FGC inside of esports. I mean, Dota feels like its own whole section, too. Obviously, it's much more similar than everything else. But it's just so old, so historic. And the the International is just such a unique event. I feel like that was really one of the first things in my mind that started making esports kind of reputable. 
That's when I started hearing about it, that this one tournament has millions and millions of dollars that this is comparable to other tournaments and traditional sports and all that kind of stuff. And some of the first things I ever heard about esports was through the international, and that is still continuing to grow after nine, ten years, and the prize pool gets bigger and bigger every year, despite Dota not having any major changes. I mean, Valve's not the greatest at updating, but the crowd, the audience, the people in this game is in this game, and they are diehards forever, it seems like. Yeah, well, and I think, like, in my conversations with people who don't understand esports, there are two things that really speak to them, and that's, number one, the sponsors. So, like, uh, stage one finals of the Overwatch League, my parents came over, were helping me with some stuff, and uh, they stuck around for dinner, and I was like, hey, I'm going to turn on the the finals because I want to watch this Vancouver-San Francisco, and my dad was just like, you know, he's in his sixties. He doesn't understand this stuff. He's like, these people getting paid to play video games, blah, blah, blah. And I told him like, you know, Coca-Cola is a sponsor. T-Mobile is a sponsor and that stuff really clicks. And the other thing that clicks is when you throw these numbers out and these prize pools and you, it, it like, you know, 25 million is a huge prize pool for a major golf tournament, yeah. you know, which, uh, and so when you're speaking, when you're trying to reach across that aisle and get people who aren't into esports to really understand the magnitude of this kind of stuff, being able to say like, yeah, there was just a tournament that had a $25 million prize pool. It's making instant millionaires out of, out of particular players who, yeah. who win these things like that really, that, that sticks. Yeah. That's exactly the first thing I go to as well. I usually, I don't go to prize pools as much, but I talk about, um, Worlds has more unique viewers than Super Bowl is another stat I always drop. I talk about the sponsors and then I kind of go to prize pools and stuff as well. But yeah, that is one way those numbers people can't deny when you see like when that many million dollars would be handed out, when T-Mobile, when Coca-Cola is getting behind something. It's it's a little bigger than just a bunch of kids playing a video game. Like, yeah, it, it's hard to make that argument when companies these people know and love are behind it. It's a little bigger than the credit you're giving it for. For, for reference, the Masters, the largest golf tournament that takes place each and every year, yep. had an $11.5 million prize pool in 2019. And that's just what first place gets. No, no, no. That's that's everybody. No, I know. But that's what Dota, last year, they got $11 million oh. for first place only. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, uh, I don't understand the sustainability of it. Like, I don't understand how it's being um, being monetized. I know they're selling tickets to it, but, like, when you're talking about Twitch viewership and those sorts of things, like, what is the – how do you scale that and, and really monetize it? And I think that's the big question that esports is having right now, and that's why so many people are looking and they're like, it's a bubble. Yeah. It's a bubble, and there's a lot of surface tension on that bubble, and I don't know if $25 million adds to the pressure or, like, makes you have a little bit more faith in it, but the fact that – Dota esports has been around for as long as it has, and it's as healthy as it is. At least is a proof of concept that it's a it's a s- somewhat sustainable model. Yeah, but something I do want to bring up with this, I googled it earlier just to double check it, but it's, they cheated a little bit. I guess it's not even cheating; it's being smart. But um, you know, you know about the whole auto chess genre, the TFT uh, Underlords mm-hmm. and all that. So Dota's version Underlords that wasn't the the auto chess mod. The actual game was only. Mm-hmm available at start to battle pass holders so you had to buy the ti battle pass to have access to playing it so obviously that helps the numbers go up a little bit that may explain why we have two months left and the prize pools already topped last year's that they took advantage of the trend and put it behind a paywall 
to get it so that people could play it. So that's something to kind of keep track of. So, I mean, obviously the upsurge and that prize pool is associated with that, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I mean, that's mm-hmm. being smart and taking advantage of it. It may hurt underlords, but it helps the prize pool look bigger. Yeah. That's just marketing, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm all behind it. Some people are upset about that. I'm like, whatever. I mean, as long as the money's going up, it's going up. Um, Something I didn't have out on the uh, docket, but something I just kind of wanted to briefly mention. We've talked about it before. I know we did the announcements last time, but um, not too much to talk about. But the Charlotte Hornets, one of the expansion teams for the NBA 2K League, um, will have announced their team on Thursday. The Charlotte Venom GT um, was announced on Thursday. Looks like a very similar logo, all that kind of stuff. Pretty much same to every other team. Uh, no players or anything announced. They'll be joining the season uh, for the 2020 season, 2019, 2020 season whatever that is. So I don't know if you were really a 2K guy or anything like that, that but I just saw, that, I remember seeing it come up and I figured I should mention it. I want to get into it because I'm a huge NBA fan. I'm a and I've played NBA 2K for years. Like um, I'm a huge sports fan, but from everything I read about the 2K league, it's just a disaster. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's a big mess. And yeah. and so I'm like, I don't know if I necessarily want to get into this, uh, but if there's other teams that are jumping in and wanting to spend money to establish their, their own teams as well, then uh, maybe it's healthier than, than I've been hearing. And so maybe I'll invest in it because the idea of five on five NBA, uh, NBA 2K play, like that, that's, that's interesting to me. Yeah. And no, and when it's, I think really where a lot of the interest comes from, just kind of from the experience I've had and we've kind of had over here popped off by G Sports, whatever you want to call us, is through um, the players. There's so much more personality in the 2K League than I feel like other ones because you know the kind of people that play 2K seriously. A lot of trash talk. People take it very seriously. So when you translate that over to a professional league, there's a lot more entertainment. And all the people we've interviewed are just huge personalities. Even the smaller players are huge personalities because that's just the type of community that's around the 2K League. So that's the thing that I find the most interesting because they're a different breed of people that play mm-hmm. 2K League. They're a different breed of esports players. So that's what I find yeah. really interesting and makes it. There was that fight two months ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it is. That's just from trash talking and people getting yeah. into it. Like that could yeah. happen in other ones, but there's just, I mean, people aren't sitting. It'd be like, yeah, we're sitting face to face, 10 feet apart. So you can trash talk each other. It's not the side by side. There's headphones and stuff on, but you could stand up and yell at the other team if you really wanted to. So it's just a different layout. It's, it's a lot more like FGC kind of layout than even, but it's a little more personality based. I am of the mind that all esports should be set up like that. Like, forget this, forget this sitting next to each other. Like, I was, I've been watching the LCK, and they've got one of those like face to face setups. I'm that's like, this is the way. Worlds to- and MSI. That's what they do at all the big events. They always do it face to face. But for whatever reason, at the local ones, for like Lisa American and European ones, it's always side to side for the viewers, which makes sense for the live crowd. But yeah, I guess it's, I guess it's a lot harder to make a stadium look full when it's like a. You have to have 360 seating or whatever. But, yeah, I'm like, this is the way it should be all the time. It looks, it does look so much cooler. But, yeah, just figured I'd mention that, that we kind of cover all of our bases for as many esports as possible. We don't talk too much about the 2K League, but it was a cool announcement. Always cool to see more teams getting in. That's kind of going back to the sponsors. We still see NBA teams finding value in this and wanting to get into it. So it's a cool announcement because it'd be cool to have all 31. How many NBA teams are there? Do you know? 
There's 30. All, th- all 30 teams getting in there eventually. That'd be kind of a cool step to see that. That all teams can well, board. Well, I'll get into 2K League and I'll be your correspondent, man. You can Please just do. that would be. You, you can just satellite me in when you need when you need it because uh, I'll, I'll start watching it now. Yeah, James was going to, but then he got distracted with something or school. <laughs> all like that, so he kind of fell off on that. But yeah, kind of getting back to our actual schedule. Not trying to get off topic too much here, but this is kind of a really cool one. I I don't think I, I'm really curious to see what do you think on this because I actually don't know. We haven't really talked about it at all. But so the high school esports league, there's a lot of people trying to capitalize on high school esports right now. There's a lot of people around that age. It's really that age when people start, you have to start putting in the hours around high school if you really want to start looking at that 18 to 22 range where a lot of people are in the esports league. That's kind of the most common age for a lot of esports athletes. So obviously it's too late to start this in college. So people are looking at high school and the high school esports league is one of the first people to kind of do it. And they have just recently announced a really cool program through them that's going to end up offering high-end gaming PCs to approved schools that are kind of through them and all that kind of stuff for free. So it's kind of making it easy. I feel like a lot of the problems that I see online that people can't get their high school esports league or even school started for a program is that they don't want to pay for the PCs or they don't have the pro PCs for everyone and it's hard to do. So kind of getting rid of the biggest barrier to entry, which is the price of PCs, by just giving them to these approved schools to compete in the leagues and all that kind of stuff, I think it's such a cool thing. And I think in the long term, seeing esports in high school is going to really start getting the mindset of parents and even the older generations that esports is more reputable because it's a high school-sponsored thing that any kid can go and sign up for that, just like football, because that's kind of around the age where we start getting really the idea of that, yeah, oh, if you work really hard in high school, you can become a professional athlete. Well, if you work really hard in high school, you could become a professional esports player as well. So, mm-hmm. what is your kind of stance on high school esports? And I, I'd be surprised if you're against the program, but just kind of the idea of it in general. No, I, I really like the idea. It makes me wonder what the future of esports, especially from like a, a structural standpoint, is going to look like. Because you know, and I know that people in esports hate to compare to traditional sports, but um, when you do it, still like it's not the greatest way to do it but it is the best way for people that aren't into esports to communicate about it yeah and and so but when you think about it like to an extent traditional sports has really figured out what the amateur scene looks like you know and we're talking even before high school when you're getting into like pop warner football or little league baseball or whatever there's uh or and then you have like your travel sports and stuff like that like there is a there's an amateur structure that people can get involved in in order to continue through uh to to playing professionally and it's it's interesting to kind of be here at the the precipice of this happening for, for esports, But, um, so I, I'm, I'm all about this program. My wife works in education, um, and they can't even afford, afford to like buy her kids folders. So to go out and say, you got to spend, you know, 25 grand or, or 2,500 on a single gaming PC for people to be able to play or whatever, um, to have organizations like this stepping in. And I think, you know, they, they outline some of the, uh, some of the, some of the things you have to agree to. Um, uh, Oh no, I was talking about like uh, the schools that want to enter this, they have to sign up for three years of esports competition. So it's not like we're going to outfit you with a, with a computer lab and then you give it a try for a year. And then, but no, they're saying like, you you have to dedicate resources to try to figure this out. I think that's really interesting, but it also makes me curious as to how, 
as to what games are going to receive this good amateur structure. Like I agree that pouring into high school is a great entry point for it, but there are a lot of high schools where they're not going to allow their kids to play call of duty or Fortnite or even like overwatch or league because of the violence in it. You're seeing a lot of these, they're playing things like rocket league, you know? And so, uh, what what esports are going to get this structure and what esports are going to be left out simply due to the the content within the game i think is going to be interesting to see yeah that's a, that's a really good point yeah i think i don't know i i'd be really curious i i do agree that you see a lot more rocket leagues and all that kind of stuff and those are the ones that the olympics would most likely accept and all that kind of stuff because they're just the most comparable to traditional sports obviously three and three soccer and a car not hard for anyone to understand that kind of concept, no violence or anything kind of like that. But I, 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 I hope schools see that these kids are playing it anyways. Like if mm-hmm. you don't approve it, like it's not like it's going to stop them from playing it. Stop, especially Fortnite. I, I agree with Call of Duty and like obviously rated M games. There's like a legality yeah. that they can't allow that, but League doesn't have a rating. Overwatch is PG thirteen. Um, Fortnite is PG. I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, I think they're they're T. Yeah, rated T. Yeah. yeah. So I as long as they're a, not rated M, pretty much. I, I don't see a school yeah. having an actual reason for saying no to it because if mm-hmm. you say, "Well, I'm 13 years old. I can play this." Like, there's no problem with it. Like, I'm playing at home anyway. So I hope I don't see too much of that. But just kind of talking a little bit more about what they're actually offering. Just kind of we can go back to that discussion too. But just kind of the talking about how big this program really is so right now there are 1500 schools that partner with the high school esports league which first off it's a lot of schools that's really cool and 250 of them are going to qualify for this where they receive unlimited access to the high school competition all that kind of stuff no charges or anything kind of like that um six gaming rigs so a full team plus one um 1660 ti graphic cards which we were talking a little bit about in pre-show never heard of that thing i had a google it and i thought it was literally a typo in the error but um, 1660 graphics cards, which seem to be about 1070, which is good. And then all components necessary to play in esports titles for keyboards, all that kind of stuff. So they're giving away, I, I, that's, let's do some quick math. What, 12, 14, 1500 PCs across the nation. I mean, that's a really big thing. I mean, 250 schools is enough that if it goes well in these 250 schools, that it spreads very quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you get 250 schools with the computers, like, yes, it works. It's doing good for these kids that maybe didn't do well in traditional sports or in other clubs. They found a place. And from there, it can grow very quickly if these 250 schools do well. And there's some research behind it or something like that that hopefully this organization is thinking of. So I'd be interested to see the split for all HSEL uh, affiliated schools between public and private. Because right now, there's like, we're probably in one of the most competitive eras in terms of school choice um, for people um, and public schools are trying to get the one up on private and vice versa. And I think having this kind of esports outfit uh, at your, at your school is like a big distinguishing factor, you know, like, Hey, uh, your kids into, into gaming. We actually have a fully dedicated esports computer lab that your kid can join teams on. And so uh, again, like that competitive advantage for schools incentivizes them to legitimize it more and which can trickle down to parents. And so I think ultimately in the amateur space, it can really start to round out that message. Yeah. 
And you can see that at colleges too. I know Dylan's in the college of esports and just kind of interacting with him. I've met more people in the scene too. And these schools are trying to find ways to work with the programs they have on to legitimate, to make them legitimate, to bring in more students, because it is getting mm-hmm. to that point where the NCAA is talking about it. Scholarships are being given away. That is obviously something that can sway people to come and go from the schools. So I, I agree that at high school level too, I didn't even think about that being that much competitive in high school because being from rural Wisconsin, you don't get a choice of where you go to school, but obviously in these bigger mm-hmm. cities where there's private and public and just so many options that this can do really good things for a school. And you can probably be able to see that based on just kind of statistics of how many people are in the club and that kind of stuff. So that's actually a really good point as well. And I think it's really important for games like Dota, like league, even, even like overwatch that have, these massive learning curves to get into them at this point, because there's so many characters, there's so much meta, like to, to have a structure that, that gets kids into it early so that they can start to learn the, the nuances of those games. Whereas like Fortnite, you drop in and like, it's immediately clear what you do. And like you said, with rocket league, like it's three on three versus three car soccer. Like, um, but where it's like league and you're like having to figure out, okay, who's, who are the best junglers this season? Uh, there's it, having more structure around that and giving kids an entry point to where it's not like you're trying to catch them up on a game that's maybe as old as they are. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, I think it's a big deal for, for certain games. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It'll be, it'll be curious. And I hope we hear more from this. I mean, obviously given all the PCs, but I, I don't hear too much from the high school esports league. Obviously I'm way out of high school now, so I'm not really in that scene right now, but I'd like to see more stories like this popping up of, numbers of results of like how it's actually happening and how well they're doing after having all these schools kind of given. So I hope this is something that kind of comes off. I want to kind of wrap up on it for today, but I really do hope that this isn't something that maybe in six months after all these PCs are given out, we hear how well it's doing or how these schools are responding to it. Cause I think 250 schools that wouldn't have the opportunity to do it otherwise without the money now getting the opportunity to do it and seeing if they come back and say, this has actually been good for us or if it makes no difference or if it was bad for them for whatever reason. So mm-hmm. I, really, I really do hope to hear that we can follow up on this in a couple of months with good news. But until then, it's just kind of, oh, let's hope high school esports kind of does it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of want to move into the next one. I So you've started getting the League of Legends a little bit more. Did you watch any Rift Rivals this last weekend or no? Yeah, dude. Did I you? did. Yeah, I watched I watched quite a bit of it. Um I didn't get a chance to catch any of the Saturday stuff because we were doing our stream, but yeah. uh or any of the Friday stuff, but I watched uh I watched some of the stuff Thursday and I went back and I watched some of the VODs. Um I actually caught the tail end of the of the Saturday events because it was happening late that afternoon. So um so yeah, I, I did get a chance to catch it. I really didn't know since I'm new to league, I didn't really know what to expect going in. I thought it was gonna be an actual tournament? Uh, yeah. Like yeah, I the, thought it was going to be... bracket and everything kind of like that? Yeah, because I looked in and I, it was like, all right, here's group play. Oh, okay, so it's going to trickle down. But then seeing that it was not just... And it was cool because it's not just, you know, your standard league play. They're also uh, playing other diff, uh, other game modes and stuff. It, it was a lot of fun to watch. But I think what's just interesting about it is how dominant Europe is... <laughs> in the scene. Right. And I guess that's like the, the layman's talking point when you're, when you're talking about league, but um, 
I mean, there were games that were like sub 25 minutes that were taking place in these. And the the difference in style, being new to league, like I, I didn't really understand uh, the different styles that are playing with because I'm still just learning what like yeah. the lanes are, yeah. what the phases are, like what the rules are. Um, but it was so abundantly clear in watching, uh, especially G2 and like just their aggression. It, you, it, I, I watch both the LEC and the LCS, but I don't know enough about to really compare them separately, but seeing them on the same rift fighting each other, like uh, it, it made it clear like LCS is a slow game and the LEC, like they, they push the pace and especially G2. So uh, I, I had a lot of fun watching it, but uh, I wish I could speak more to like, you know, analyzing what happened there, but, but I can't, but it, it was, it was a fun thing to watch. Uh, it seems like both regions are really into it. And the, the rivalry between the regions is a lot of fun to watch. Cause you don't really get that in like overwatch league, right? The, like the, the rivalries are very, very kind of skimpy in overwatch league. I feel like, well, and, but it makes sense because Korea is so dominant in overwatch league and there's a language barrier. There's a cultural barrier divide. Whereas like between England and, between Europe and, and America, like generally are speak or are able to speak the same language. Like it's a, it's, it fosters a rivalry a lot better than I think overwatch does. Um, just because Korea is just as far and away dominant, uh, in terms of overwatch as Europe is in, in league, but, uh, there's just not the communication that's there. Yeah. No. Yeah. I didn't get to watch a ton of the games either. You made a lot of good points there. So I'll try to catch up on a lot of them. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get a chance to watch much of it. I've gone back and watched a couple of VODs um, from the little I've seen. It is literally probably G2, Team Liquid, rest of Europe, the rest of NA. There is, I mean, e- even Double Lift. Um, for, if you don't know, um, he's the AD carry of Team Liquid. Very well known for trash talking, all that kind of stuff. And he put out a tweet that pretty much a lot of people agree summarized Rift Rivals that said... Um, uh, congratulations to all the teams that competed. And then thank you, Cloud9 and uh, TSM for participating. Not even competing, participating. I mean, both teams ended up winning a game in groups. Um, but Team Liquid was the only team that really looked competitive in all games. And Origin is even thought. I mean, Origin just came back. I mean, they weren't in the LEC for years. They've been gone for years. And they came back and beat TSM and Cloud9 both. I mean, it really is. I mean, there's the meme of EU greater than NA or NA greater than EU. And in this case, it really does look like that EU is much, much better than NA at this point. And it's it's hard to be on an NA fan. It's great seeing Team Liquid doing so well. But the outside of Team Liquid, the growth in how the skill level between the regions is staggering. Um, yeah. And the number of games that were like, there wasn't even a barren fight because <laughs> it happened so fast. It was, it was insane. It was insane to see the, the, the sheer dominance of one region over another. Yeah. And it, it is something going back to um, each region plays differently. Like, like you're saying EU um, just really any region outside of NA, the picks are much more extreme. Um, you'll hear casters say this is played a lot in Korea or this is played a lot in China. Because you see with those two regions are very sporadic and who they play, the metas, their metas change very quickly. Um, EU and NA have both traditionally been a little bit more stagnant and much more small character uh, hero pools, champion pools. I'm sorry, whatever the goddamn name is for the characters in the game. Um, (laughs) 
But <laughs> EU is definitely kind of getting out a little bit farther, and it's starting to show that it's leave, clearly leaving NA outside of Team Liquid behind. So it's hard to watch. I think it's going to be a really interesting world. It's That's a couple months away, but I think for the first time, we don't know who's going to win. We almost always say, oh, it's going to be Korea, it's going to be China. We see EU coming up and being a real contender now, which is really cool to see after so long of it being those two regions, mainly Korea dominating. But, yeah, we saw Europe win MSI for the first time in a very long time, if ever. Yeah, it was the first time a Western team had won. Mm-hmm. So it's a cool time, even with NA being left behind. It's cool to see other regions doing so well, and that's why I've honestly been watching more European LEC than LCS because it's much more competitive, it's much more interesting, and it's a much better region right now. And the production value, I think, is way better. <laughs> Their branding about, is tight. <laughs> we talked about that when they rebranded. I, yeah, and the LCS rebranded from the NALCS to the LCS, changed nothing else. They just took off the NA. Well, LEC did a complete rebrand, and I really do like that. Yeah. We talked about that back-to-back weeks when the two regions kicked off, and we all agreed. The LEC, why it takes up a lot of screen sometimes, especially with the Baron plays and stuff like that, Yeah, still looks a lot better. Yeah, they got to get that Shell Fuel logo out there, oh man. Oh, my God. Yeah, they, <laughs> God, I remember the first time that popped up. I have never seen such a long, continual spam in a Twitch chat of, thank you, Mr. Shell. <laughs> just that because it was yeah that took up so much screen space they brought that back a little bit but yeah that was fun but yeah i guess anything else for the on rift rivals i didn't watch enough to talk in depth about analytics or anything like that and like you said you don't know enough about it so i'd like to watch more games and maybe recap with it i know james watched a lot so of course he had a back out last minute but anything else about rift rivals or kind of league of legends your uh, regions you want to talk about no, not really. I do want to – I'd love to watch League with people who understand League. Like, I don't really have any friends around me that, that understand it. But, like, I want to I be able to watch with people and ask my dumbass questions about yeah. what's going on. Because <laughs> I really want to understand. I think, it's, I think it's wildly interesting. Yeah. No, it's – it gets really down to it, too. And it took me a very long time to get to the point where I'm at and I still don't feel like I understand everything. And that's after playing for years and watching for a while now, too. So, yeah, I, I, I've really enjoyed getting back into League of Legends and watching this season. So, of course, I'm missing it. Rift Rivals of all events was kind of sad. But, um, yeah, I want to kind of move into We talked about a little bit about Team Liquid um, in the LCS, obviously, and kind of how well they're doing there. But I want to talk about another thing that they're definitely kind of breaking the barrier on. And personally, I don't know if you agree with this, I think this is probably one of the coolest sponsorships ever probably because it's two of my favorite nerdums kind of coming together but team liquid announced finally this long project whirlwind no idea what the name was uh, they've just been teasing project whirlwind for like a couple weeks now and they released it and it ended up being a part a strategic partnership deal with marvel entertainment so pretty much all it was was a bunch of jerseys and merch kind of going along with it but it's kind of unprecedented that marvel uh, by no means has really ever participated in it and now we're seeing jerseys based off the most recent avengers ones we see just all kinds of other random merch too we see uh, captain america and iron man uh themed jersey and all that kind of stuff and i just i don't have much to say about this in terms of numbers or anything like this i just think this is incredibly cool like Mm -hmm. marvel 
entertainment. Marvel, one of the probably biggest entertainment properties in the world. I mean, obviously a subsidiary of Disney, but even by itself before it was bought is known throughout the world. And them deciding to partner with Team Liquid is just something really, really cool. Yeah, I love I love the jersey designs because they if you if you didn't have the team liquid logo on them you wouldn't be league jerseys. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that that's by design like that's uh the, that's a really smart choice because there are going to be Marvel fans that just want these jerseys cuz they look dope. Yeah. You know, and who may not be even remotely aware of what League of Legends is, or or even if they know what League of Legends is, they don't know who Team Liquid is, yeah. and so and Team Liquid it still, creates it. Just to make it clear that obviously we can talk about the League of Legends side, but they are bigger than that. They're oh yeah, with the CS:GO, it is with all their other teams. They showed it up on the promo, so it's not just for that team. They primarily showed the League of Legends team, which a lot of people yeah. are upset about. But it, they are it is <laughs> it, or a partnership with the entire organization, not just the League of Legends team. Which I just want to make sure that that's clear. So. So they so they announced what teams are wearing, what jerseys because uh, team uh, Team Liquid wore uh, the uh, Captain America one for their first game of Rift Rivals. But um, are they gonna all are all teams gonna be wearing all these in some sort of rotation, or are certain teams gonna have certain ones? Yeah, more than so they didn't have one for every single team. They showed a bunch of. People from different teams wear different jerseys. So they just have the Captain America jersey, the Iron Man jersey, and then the Quantum Realm jersey. Spoilers if mm-hmm. you haven't seen Endgame yet. Go see it. <laughs> um, but um, so they just have those three. So I think they just go kind of cycle through. Maybe each team will wear each one once every so often. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, they didn't really talk about specifics. It's probably just going to be more of a merch thing that. A couple teams will each wear each jersey once. I don't think it'll be a continual thing. I don't think it'll be mm-hmm. brought in consistently. That'd be really cool if it is. But I think it's more than likely just going to be like, hey, we're going to kind of drum up the support for it now. Get a couple teams wearing it. Get it out there. And then it'll just kind of be a constant store merch after that. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I just think like you you put these out there. People want to buy them. And you get their email addresses that want to buy them. And you say like, hey, our our Dota team's going to be wearing this, the Iron Man one. And that, like you're sending out emails or alerts with that and like trying to get people to tune in. And with that connection of, I, I may not be into Dota, but I really like Marvel and uh, it'd just be cool to see these jerseys. Uh, so uh, I don't know. I think it's a, it's a cool branding move. It's, it's very similar to, you know, how Fortnite does these strategic partnerships with John Wick and with Marvel yeah. um, and, and getting them in there because people who may not be interested in Fortnite may be interested in these things. And it's enough to at least check out a video, if not check out the game entirely. So uh, I don't know. I think this is a, a very smart move. Yeah. And like and the point you've been making that this gets in front of people that don't know what it is. And you're right. When I went and looked at the tweet that Marvel Entertainment put out, people were like, what is Team Liquid? Like, what is this? Like, esports. What is Team Liquid and why is it a horse? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. There was a, horse? so many questions. The engagement rate on that of likes to um, comments was insane. So many people commented mm-hmm. on it, which a lot of people were kind of down on it. There's a, but there could be a couple of people that get into it and want to learn more about it. And I think every single move like this that – Yes, there's going to be a lot of people kind of skeptical about it and against it, but there's still going to be that group that like, this is cool. Like, I want to learn more about it. So mm-hmm. not everyone can love it, but it's cool for every opportunity as esports as a whole.
gets in front of people that it's not currently reaching. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess that's kind of the last story I really had. We are getting kind of close to time, so that works out pretty well. But yeah, is there anything else you want to talk about? Anything kind of esports related? Like you said, you've kind of been on a big esports push recently. Is there anything that I didn't talk about here or any previous discussions we had? We have a couple minutes to talk about anything you want to bring up. Kind of throwing you uh, on here last minute here, but I just figured we had a couple extra minutes, so if there was anything you want to talk about or ask questions about or anything really. Oh, one one thing, because uh, I'm interested to, to get your thoughts on this. So this weekend coming up is, because uh, I don't think we talked about Overwatch League enough in this podcast. Next, uh, next week coming up is the Atlanta homestand. So oh, yeah. we're, we're getting it. We're getting it to the, uh, we're, get, we're coming to the East Coast. I figured you were probably going to talk about it as like a postmortem after it happened. But um, what, what's your thoughts on like these, these kind of tests of, playing in regions and then how do you think they're using the information that they're getting within this to inform a full on localization come next year? While you're answering that, I may have unplugged my mouse with my foot. So I'm going to go plug that back up. (laughs) Um, Personally, I think these events are really cool, especially for the people that never got to go to, especially in Dallas and um, Atlanta. I think the one in LA seems a little funny, but um, I well, I just don't think it's necessary. I'm gonna, no, I'm no gonna, I agree. I'm it's like you've it. been playing in LA. Yeah, I'm going to go to it. I'm about to buy my tickets for it. Now that I'm here, I'm only a couple hours away. It's unnecessary. But I personally think these events have no impact and have no proof on how well localization is going to do. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, especially in Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta. It's the closest to the East Coast outside of the Barclays Center for the Grand Finals last year. Like, of course, no one in the Southeast, there hasn't been an Overwatch event in the Southeast ever before. Of course, any Overwatch fan from that region is going to go to it. That does not reflect how well weekly games are going to go or bi-weekly or however often they're going to be there. Like, there's no reflection on that. Like, sure, like, let's put a Super Bowl in the middle of, um, what's it, in the middle of Nebraska. Yes, everyone from that area is going to go to the Super Bowl. But that doesn't mean an NFL team in Nebraska is going to do fantastic. It's that those people have not been serviced with this event before. So, of course, they're going to go to it because it might be their only opportunity they ever get. So, mm-hmm. while I think they're cool, I don't think they reflect how well localization is going to do. And I don't yeah. think there's much those these local teams are going to be able to get out of it. Because it's not most of them aren't going to be at the places that they're going to be hosting their local events because it's a much bigger event because it's not a weekly thing. It's a one time big blowout event. So, again, it's whole if it was at a the place that they're playing next year with a very limited audience. I think that'd be a different story, but it is a totally different event than hosting a weekly games that's going to be next year. So mm-hmm. they're cool. I'm going to them. I wish one wasn't in L.A., but they aren't going to be very beneficial from what I've seen because they're much different. They're a different scale. Yeah. And with LA being the last one, I think it, it, I don't think it necessarily speaks to anything about how successful the, uh, I'm with you there. Um, what I do think it is, is it's a dry run of the logistics of the production and like, what is it like to pick up what we're doing and but take this I, I elsewhere? I feel like a lot of that production is being helped by Blizzard this year. I feel like with mm-hmm. these homestands, there's only three of them. They have to be perfect. Like the electricity going out, like that's on kind of predictable. But I feel like Blizzard's definitely having a heavy hand in these. I could be wrong. I could be completely wrong. But I don't feel like Blizzard would just hand over an entire large event to these teams mm-hmm. 
without some kind of heavy handiness. Because if they looked bad, that would spell doom. If they can't do these three events, how is localization going to work? So well, do you like, think Blizzard's not going to be super hands-on? In- but how hands-on can they be with 20 different arenas? That's true. Especially the ones well, outside of the country. And yeah, that's and that, another thing. There should have been one international. Exactly. I, I would have loved to have seen one happen in like Seoul if they went to Seoul. Because you got to think about visas. I mean, these people, they're going there for work. They need to have a work visa. Like mm-hmm. the logistics of having that many people traveling. Like we see people, we see analysts and players not getting over to America. Now all these players are going to try to go to other countries as well on a rotation. That's well, from what a I- logistical nightmare. And I'm an immigration expert. I'm just a small town pizza lawyer. Um, but as, as far as I understand, these like the, the visas required to go work short term internationally are it's far, far easier to get than I'm going to go stay here for nine months. But still, it still is logistic yeah. that they have not tested. Yeah. Which is just worrisome. So yeah. I, I, I don't think localization is doomed. I think these teams can learn things from it, but I don't think these are true dry runs because they're not the mm-hmm. same of what it's going to look like next year. Yeah. And you're only as, it, you're only as successful as your expectations, right? Like, and I think that they have to have really reasonable expectations for audience turnout for, uh, for these games next year in order for it to be successful. Um, and I think, you know, we're hearing t- word of like Philly stadium is going to hold just a few thousand Right. Or maybe it's even less than that. Like, I think it's um, like 2000. Yeah. So, so, um, and I think that that's smart, you know, like I've, if Philly can't turn out 2000 people a game to, to show up, then we should have never talked about localization to begin with. So, uh, but I think setting reasonable expectations is a good deal. I wish they'd have done something more like a regional stepping stone, like each week is its own homestand in a different place and teams come to play, play together at it. But uh, I don't know. The reason I got into Overwatch League to begin with is because I was like, let's, let's see how this pans out. And uh, uh, I was hoping to make it down to Atlanta, but life stuff came up and wasn't able to, but uh, no, the, the Dallas thing was awesome to watch and awesome to see. And I think that if you can start to leverage excitement now about, uh, teams coming, then uh, it's only a good thing for, for the Overwatch League, which honestly needs as many wins as it can get right now. Yeah, absolutely. But kind of speaking of actually making it down to Atlanta, um, just kind of, so both of the casual Overwatch League uh, fan uh, co-hosts are both going to be there, so if you want to connect with either Aaron or Brian, um, they will both be there, so you can always connect with them. Otherwise, really close friend of the uh, podcast, Kate Shepard, she'll be down there as well. So if you do want to hang out and meet up with any of them and talk Overwatch, I know they'll all be down there and they're all super social. Or so I'd like to tell them. And they'll they'll probably be mad at me for kind of calling them out like that. But um, no, there'll be there'll be a lot of people going down there. So if I don't know if they sold out, if they haven't sold out, or if you get a chance to go down there, go check it out. I mean, I I'd be I'd be down there in a heartbeat if I could. So if you can make it there, I really recommend going to any kind of live events because it's truly a different experience than just watching it online. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, with that, we are getting towards the end of the show. So I just again want to thank you so much, Luke, for coming on. Like you said, six hours before um, I asked you, and it was a really big help for you to come on last minute. And it's always great having you on. And again, if anyone wanted to find you or PVA, where can they find you? Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. If you guys want to find me, 
You can follow me on twitch.tv slash PVA radio, go live every single night at 9 PM Eastern time. Uh, and we do a show called the PVA nightly rundown. Um, and on Wednesdays we do our weekly gaming podcast called PVA radio. You can find that on podcast services everywhere. I think it's just, uh, we, we talk about three gaming topics and we have a pretty, I like to think intelligent and well-informed discussion about them. So, uh, and we, Welcome you to come by live. If not, just uh, check out the VODs. You can also find us on youtube.com slash PVA radio. Um, also, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at hoagie underscore OW. Just to really nail in where my uh, where my allegiances lie as far as esports are concerned. <laughs> but yeah, with that, um, that is going to be Project Esports for July 1st. 2019 for again any of our american listeners have a great fourth of july be safe i know there's a lot of fireworks try not to blow anything off this week but as always it does mean the world to us with any interaction you do whether it's following us or subscribing to us on twitch subscribing to our youtube channel listening to podcasts even liking a tweet anything means the world to us because any support lets them know that you like what we're doing and we're doing everything we're doing is for you guys we want to be making the content that you guys enjoy so do please give us five star reviews on um, iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening if there's a one star we are called PVA Radio please go leave the one star review on them not us <laughs> but no really please give them a five star as well they're great guys over there as well but we go live every Monday at twitch.tv slash pop underscore off at 5.30pm central time and go live on podcasting and YouTube Tuesday mornings around the globe but with that as always I'm Andrew And I'm Luke. And this is a Project Esports podcast. We will see you guys next week.